0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Smalls by Fireside. As always, you can visit meetfireside.com to learn more about our marketing services for small businesses. click on the S'mores tab and watch all these episodes in video form or download us wherever you like to get your podcast from Today I am joined by Jeremy Jacobs of Ray's Bakery. Jeremy, will you tell us a little Hello. bit about yourself?
1: Uh, yes, I'm telling you a lot about myself. Uh, my name's as, as you said Dax my name's Jeremy Jacobs. I am the Uh, I like to call myself the founder now, seeing as my mum retired last year, the founder and owner of Ray's Bakery. So we're a wholesale, uh, well, we were a wholesale um, bakery, manufacturing bakery. Uh, We're based in um, England, in the United Kingdom. Um, For uh, listeners or viewers who don't know England very well, we're down on the very south coast in the lovely uh, town of Brighton and Hove, or city of Brighton and Hove, I should say. Um, and I started the business 11 years ago um, from my mum's kitchen. Um, lots of stuff has happened since then. Um, but I am also uh, a part-time uh, MBA student at Sussex University. Um, about uh, about three quarters of the way through, I'm just coming up to start to write my dissertation. Um, and then the other thing which I'm kind of up to at the moment outside of the uh, the bakery business, is um, helping business businesses to succeed, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, we were just chatting before we came on about, um, you know, small businesses, um, the kind of struggles. Oh, and that's my dog, Beth, by the way, who's in the background. Named from uh, Back to the Future? Uh, no, not, no, actually not, no, not specifically. It must have been planted in there as a child with it. Um, I just thought it was a really good name for dog. And I believe that all dogs should be named with one syllable name. So you, when you shout them out, it's like, Biff. Oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, so helping um, businesses to succeed. So um, for those who don't know, I know Dax many, many years ago when we used to yeah. work at uh, i Fif- uh,
0: 15 years, maybe, yeah, I, would, uh, I would think. Well, you started the business 11 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your mum was doing she started by making some um baked goods for people before you came along is that where yeah. the seed of the business came from
1: yeah so um so my nan so we've always as a family we've always been massive um foodies into food and um, and my nan was a, uh, loved baking at home she actually always wanted to own a bakery and she passed away uh, about 12 13 years actually it would have just been 12 13 years ago now and so as a way of uh, dealing with the loss, my my mum, that's my mum's mum, my mum started baking at home and um, had watched a TV programme, um, a US TV programme actually on Food Network or something, about cupcakes and the raise mm. of cupcakes back in that, that sort of era. Um, and then I left um, my job in digital marketing, um, the 2008 financial crash, 2007-2008 financial crash, took voluntary redundancy um and i and with my entrepreneurial spirit and my um skills in building websites and marketing them online i said to my mum do you want me to because she's she'd started baking like loads of cupcakes and um i you know i couldn't eat i literally couldn't eat anymore and so she was palming them off to friends and then people Mm -hmm. were saying oh these are great you should sell them um and so we built the website in that time that after i left my job um built the website for her, had no intention of getting involved in it at all, um, and sort of built it up for her. And then I went off and did marketing consultancy for myself. And then it grew to the point where it was like, I can't not not work in it, basically.
0: (laughs) I Had Had you, um, when you were younger, had you had other businesses or entrepreneurial um forays or was Mm, raised no not
1: really i wasn't one of those classic like you know you get in you get interviewed you interview entrepreneurs and they'll often go oh yeah i was like 12 i was selling like (laughs) sweets (laughs) in the playground i wasn't like that at all um i actually what drove me to want to run my own business and work for myself was this um uh i just i just always was with a ma- large majority of my bosses i was never inspired by i've got this kind of like scent, this sort of like arrogant sense that i can do everything better than you can not always but certainly i always was like i always thought i had better ideas or different ways of doing it and i don't like being told what to do and i don't like being controlled so it was a natural thing for me to want to work for myself i'm sure if you interviewed any of my bosses they'd be like it's a pain in the ass <laughs> to work with because I was just always challenged I'm very challenging um so I would challenge back a lot um so yeah so that that's that's kind of yeah no I didn't really I remember I built my first html website uh when I was 16 um and that was so that was in 1996 so I was hand coding uh, you know I was really into technology I can lose myself in that sort of thing for for days sometimes.
0: So, wow. so I always had that sort of drive to want to create something by myself. So where did, when I think about the history I know of Ray's in relatively early years, you went out and got an incredible contract with Virgin Atlantic to put mm. cupcakes on their flights. Where do you think that drive to succeed at that level or or that almost permission in your mind comes from say oh of course I can go phone virgin and get a contract as a tiny bakery in Brighton
1: yeah yeah there's a funny story behind that actually so I think I think um one of the things that uh I would say I got from working in digital prior to, to, le- to starting the company was that, so before I joined Eye Crossing, I was working at, I don't think they exist anymore. Zenith OptiMedia, Zed Media. Um,
0: Who knows, uh, these agencies change names daily.
1: Yeah, so um, up in London, um, I worked for a small small boutique agency that's still around actually down in Brighton, then moved to London. And I was thrust into boardrooms in front of very senior people, but I felt really comfortable talking about what I was talking about. Like I knew my stuff. So I, I, I've i always, you know, been known to be very... Um, people call me very charming and very... Um, that's other people, by the way, just in case you think I'm...
0: <laughs> nice recovery. Uh,
1: and, and I just... I connect with people. I can look people in the eye and connect with people. So I don't have a problem going into a room and being like chatting to people most of the time. Um, the story of how Virgin came about is quite different. So um, we... We'd been working, you know, the business had grown to the point where we started doing a lot of corporate stuff. And so I was looking at brands and, you know, I think with I do believe most businesses, you'll have a list of companies you'd love to work with. Mm. And Virgin was always one of those. So I, I, you know, um, I, I always was um, inspired and admired Virgin, uh, Richard Branson um his style the way he was you know um his attitude towards the lgbt community virgin atlantic style the way it communicated with its customers it had that nice uh blend of um, being very sexy and very uh sultry and also cheeky and british it was that I nice agree. blend which i really like um so i always had this desire to want to work with them and we did actually get uh, a small contract, uh, just a one-off job, to supply these tiny little mini cupcakes with um, red, white, and blue stars for their first flight from Manchester to Vegas. And these things were an absolute pain in the ass to make, and they took ages. But they they were handed out on the flight. So for us at the time, it's like wow, amazing. And it's how okay. how, that? How, did, how did that first contract happen? Uh, they con- uh, Google AdWords. We were advertising against corporate cupcakes, oh, wow. and they googled us and found us. Um, We always got complimented about our website, about the level of information that we had on there. It was a balance between being very succinct, but also giving the customer everything they needed to know about what we do. Um, And I think our website probably needs a little bit more work. We're going to redo it. Um, We're in the process of redoing it. But, you know, the hope is that you can come and find out everything you need to know without even need to speak speak to us. Um, And customers always like that. Um, and then I kind of stalked them um, and um, I was at home one Friday night when I was living with uh, Lottie, Charlotte Cummings, yep. who we both know. And uh, I was sat at home and I was just on my laptop and they had a, I don't think it exists anymore, a blog called V-Traveled. And they did like profiles of travel and all this different stuff. And they profiled these two people that worked in brand alliances uh, in the marketing department and their job was to chaperone brands and look after them, obviously, to get them to spend more money. Um, and um, they profiled these two people and I put a comment. I've got the screenshot somewhere. A comment on the bottom that said, oh, you know, because you know, they were talking about all this crazy stuff that Virgin do. And I said, oh, what about cupcake decorating classes at 35,000 feet or something like that? You know, you know, we've worked with you before. And then I got an email from her like two days later saying we'd like you to come in for a meeting so I was like oh okay uh you know it was kind of like just
0: pure what what was the what was the primary feeling there was it just overwhelming excitement or was it oh shit no 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 I've got this like no not at all I was so excited
1: about it I I tell this story I went into their head office and into their reception and I'd worn uh virgin colored branded branded colored socks that I just had at home. And I have this thing about matching. You can probably tell mm. I like to match colors. And I had their, I had red socks on, which are very similar. I hadn't bought them for that purpose. And I walked in and we were chatting to, the, and I was chatting to an reception and I was like, no, oh, I've even got branded socks. on. I like, lifted my leg up and like showed him my socks. Um, and then we went upstairs and had this meeting. And I, you know, I've always been that. Um, if, if someone else can do it, then I'll, I can figure it out. <clears throat> so at the time we had, we were doing a, I think the most we'd done in one job was about 2000 cupcakes. And uh, the guy um, who, who was the, the decision maker said, Oh, it's going to be about 5,000 cupcakes. A, I think he said a day. It's about 55,000 cupcakes a week. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah, of course we can. It's like, had no idea. Sure. But I knew, well, I, I wasn't lying. I said, of course we can, because we'll figure it out. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind, it kind of came about... Um, but the, later on, I found out from him that um, uh, the two reasons that they selected us, one was... Uh, actually, it was the three. One was uh, we were local to them, so they're based in Crawley. We're in Brighton, so it's only... If you don't know, it's about a 25-minute drive, mm-hmm. um, which in America is, like, literally next door to us. That's, like, you know, it's quite a journey. But... Um, just down the road. And the other thing was um, that um, they like to help small businesses get a a leg up in the industry. And then the other uh, final thing was I had designed, so to to try and get a a USP, unique selling point around cupcakes, because they were always associated with America, we created Cupcake Independence Day on the 4th of July. And it was us, Taking back the cupcake from America because we thought because it. it's actually a Victorian invention. Right. So that was the whole thing. So we had this little logo that um, I don't know if you get it. You must get it in the states. You get the like little U.S. flag and it says U.S. You know, beef or whatever. And so we create this little Union Jet logo with Great British cupcake, and put that on all of our branding. And they really liked that. So um, so it's those three reasons why they.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine that. Branson has always really played to the British part of the brand. British Airways, many years ago, I remember, removed the Union flag from the tail of their planes, and Branson immediately jumped on that quite <laughs> rightfully and, and put it on the back of all virgin atlantic planes
1: yeah and uh they got re- they got a lot of stick for that didn't they ba for taking it off.
0: oh ab- absolutely i mean the the flag carrying airline no longer carried the flag i think from a branding point of view i don't know if it gets much worse than that
1: no no and, and it, you know we do we do particularly when you know we did a little bit of stuff over in america and we you know we 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 play on that strength you know we play on that britishness cause i know that you know the a lot of people in the u.s love a love a british accent they do i am it up as well by the way
0: when i come
1: kind of like really cockney or really posh or hello my name's jeremy
0: (laughs) which one do you think they find harder to understand Mm, probably a cockney cockney yeah cockney's east london by the way for our american listeners
1: um i'm a descendant of a cockney i found out the other day
0: oh did you Mm.
1: Well, I said the other day quite a while ago. My 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 dad's my dad's dad and like like all the way back were all true companies.
0: Wow. Quite
1: pleased with that. Anyway, yeah, sorry for talking about that. So
0: <laughs> another so another thing you did with the business that I thought was amazing, which you kind of touched on, you went on an episode of Cupcake Wars.
1: I did, yes. I did, uh, and I Food have. Food Network is, is that what? Who does it? Uh, Food Network, yes, two thousand and twelve. It was just before we got Virgin contract. Okay. Actually, we were in conversation, and I had a I had an email out of the blue from the um, I can't remember what department, but like research department, you know, the, the scouts that go out and find people mm-hmm. randomly, and um, we had to do a, a three minute video and it's on YouTube and I, I have to say it's 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 quite ridiculous um yeah go go watch it I think if oh, you Google, yeah, yeah it's Google like cupcake because we were called indulgence cupcake company at the time so um I think it's indulgence cupcake company cupcake wars audition and you'll find it and it's a it's three minute video and it's just uh just makes me laugh <laughs> it was so funny doing it but we got on the show. Um, and, uh, we, at the beginning of the audition video was us filming, um, the, the person, our first employee at the time in, uh, she came in really early morning. We had a video camera in her face and we were like, we told her, um, that we'd, I know. Yeah. We told her that we we were thinking of going, and she, it's her reaction because she'd never travelled abroad before in her life. We said, "What? Could, what would you say if we took you to LA to be on Cupcake Wars?" And she was like, <gasps> "So that was the start of our video. It's quite funny."
0: That's fantastic. Did you win? No, no.
1: Win? We oh, yeah. uh, it was rigged. Uh, no, we we came. We were runners up, so we got through to the final round. So it's for if anyone's not familiar, it's 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 an hour long episode, and it's for. There's three rounds. So we got through to the final round. Um, and they never videoed the, they never showed the response when we found out we got through to the final round. I was like disbelief. Um, but we got through and then um no, we didn't win. Very sad. But they did but if it helps, they did say that it was the the the, the runners said that they've ne- they've never deliberated so long over a decision before.
0: I'm taking that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That could almost become the uh, the company's marketing tagline. Nobody has deliberated over our cupcakes as long as anybody else's uh, cupcakes. Yeah, uh, it was uh, so that it was an amazing experience. Was, you win the Virgin contract. The Virgin contract then grows into something bigger. Did you, at any point there, sit back and feel like you'd made it at that point, or, or does your brain work in a, in a different way?
1: Yeah, um, I did. And it really, I shot myself in the foot massively. So I had this kind of like, you know, we were were bringing in um, levels of uh, income every month that we'd never seen before. And it was kind of like, um, I do a lot of work with a friend who does a lot of um, stuff around money and values and stories we have around money and this idea that we have a ceiling that we mm. don't believe we can earn above and mine's quite low because it's kind of and well I believe it comes from family so you know i it just it's kind of set so when the money was coming in it's kind of almost didn't believe it and um and we and I probably in hindsight wouldn't have spent as much as I did we didn't go I didn't go nuts we didn't like you know uh, spunk it or the wall, you know, ridiculous things or travel or whatever. We but we went well, we went and set up the bakery, but I think had I have known if I knew then what uh, you know what I mean, if I knew then yep. what I know now. What's it is that where we yep, Um okay. uh I wouldn't have I would have been way more careful and kept a lot back in the bank. Um because that le- that lesson that I learned at that time has saved my ass
0: now with COVID
1: nineteen. Mm. Massively. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, so it wasn't that you were spending all this money on luxuries. You were putting it into the business, but just expanding the business too quick. I imagine you've got a lot of very expensive items to buy if you're scaling up a bakery, right? Uh
1: yeah. I mean, I would say I would say we probably spent about, I'm gonna try and convert it, probably about 150000 dollars maybe $100,000 mm. to hundred and fifty thousand dollars setting up the bakery. Um, so we spent a lot of it. I think not. I, I would say be more careful with the money, but also um, this illusion that we that Virgin would just keep on going and that would or, or it's something would just work out. I had this. I had. I've always had this real mental block with business development and sales. Like I don't particularly like doing it. I'm. I'm fine when you get me in in with a customer. I'm. I can sell my company and what we do like really easily um but it's that it's that you know um going out and finding prospects the build-up to you know, it yeah yeah and, and you know being persistent it's not in my nature I don't like I don't feel like I'm bothered I don't like I don't like to feel like I'm bothering people or getting on their nerves I'm a people pleaser <laughs> I like it to me be- so it's unnatural for me to do that so it, it feels uncomfortable so I think at the time one of the other things is I didn't have the confidence to reach out to people and say i don't know what i'm doing i need help which i think
0: happens a lot where did that lesson come from so you spent this money you grew mm. the bakery you were excited about the business growth had you had the realization by that point that you weren't comfortable reaching out to people and the business the early stages of business development wasn't for you or did that come much later um
1: it's a mixture actually um i think it's the old head in the sand I'll let's just ignore it. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with it. So I'll just ignore it and carry on and hope that something works out. Terrible, terrible thing to do. <laughs> um
0: common. Uh though. sorry. Very common though.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I see it all the time. And so that's why it's important. So I've I've set up my um own um consultancy business helping business, cookie jar consultancy. The link nice. There um and it's and it's really to kind of like be in people's faces and go like it's okay to ask for help it's okay to say i'm struggling Mm. you know i think um mental I, i mentioned it on my linkedin profile like mental health is super important to me i've had my own struggles with um addiction and um you know mental health depression anxiety the whole thing and it's all been driven by business and i've overcome you know overcome that to a certain extent and so I'm, I'm really, really passionate about reaching out to people and being like, I'm here, it's okay, what do you need? You know, let's talk stuff through. And being a, you know, a sounding board for people. I think people tend to, and particularly in British culture, people tend to keep stuff to, stiff up a lip. People keep stuff to themselves and they don't go, I need help, I'm struggling. And I would say more in men than women. So, um, you know- I think
0: if, that's like, probably true. I, I think the British- Versus American, I would say largely I agree with that. I think there is yeah. more of a tendency that we tend to be, to the stereotype, a little bit more reserved. Yeah. I think a lot of us of this kind of age were raised with a belief of, get on with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm sat Your mug. <laughs> my, well, I'm just yeah, <laughs> sat here drinking out my wife's mug right now. And uh, written on it, her mug says, "No one cares. Work fucking harder." Uh, um, which I think is is such a. I don't think that mug would sell in England. There is uh, a, no, a I, I, no, I don't
1: think it would, would it?
0: Um, no. So that that's no. great. You're reaching out to these businesses to help them, these founders, to understand that they're not alone. Interestingly, that's why this whole Smalls podcast exists. We have this huge network of clients that fireside and so many of them were telling us that they often felt they were the only people going through these struggles and everything you've talked about so far will be things that people listening to are like oh oh i felt that or i went through that or i spent too much money or i bet it all on one customer um and yeah. so that, the fact that you're reaching out and helping people and make them understand that it's okay to talk about these things is is terrific good for you
1: yeah, I well, I specifically reached out to people um, at, uh, a few weeks ago and said, like, it's, you know, I, it been, I invite me to come and talk about this sort of stuff. You know, it's, I think it's the most powerful way for people to get, you know, that, that if someone is able to completely share themselves and the struggles they've had without any fear of shame or uh, being very very vulnerable, I think it opens up a lot for people. And I think right now we need more people that hold their hands up and go, yeah, I'm really, you know, I've had struggles in the past, um, it's, it's super important to me right now. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about the big C word where we are recording this right in the middle of, of COVID. <laughs> I was going to um, say another word, but. <laughs> we're probably 60 something days into both the UK and the US being in, in kind of lockdown shelter in place. Um, what's it done to raise? Uh, destroyed the business overnight.
1: Um, pretty much. Well, I say that that's very dramatic. Um, it, it's um, yeah. So we so just to give a kind of context to it. So we um, so one thing that has been on my mind and struggled uh, with, and it's and it feeds back from that whole thing about this uh, struggling with get you know new business and stuff is that we had about eighty percent of our income in two clients, which is obviously massive risk, and um, we've been working to to change that. And we'd got into a very comfortable position with our two customers. We had a good amount of money, you know, good profit margin, you know, money coming in. We could reinvest in the business and uh, and everything was feeling, you know, great. And I was taking more time off work. I was only probably working three days a week and doing my studies and stuff like that. And I was super chilled and everything was going great. And then all of this happened. <laughs> I was planning to move, uh, move house. Uh, I was I meant to be in New York at the moment. I meant to be going to Florida in September I'm meant to be going to Tiriano and Albania in June that's all been cancelled you know I, and, I, and I preference I get that you know in the context of things that's very small um, but yeah we, so, so our two all of our customers basically one went out of business, a smaller one into administration and the other two one is at, uh, airport lounges at number one lounges they close their doors and then we co-manufacture a, co- uh, a cookie dough product a company and they closed their doors so
0: everything dried up you think those customers have permanently closed their doors i mean i assume the lounge company will come back at some point
1: yeah um so um we're expecting them both to come back it's when and 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 at what level you know i don't expect um travel industry to recover for years yeah you know fully um so so yeah so so we've we've lost everything. Uh, when I say lost everything, we haven't lost everything. We've lost the income, um, but that's why the thing I mentioned earlier about um, learning from Virgin to keep money in the bank is that I've got money in the bank. So I've I've I said to myself, and this was before we even knew COVID was coming. Mm. I wanted at least four months of income to run the business. You know, without anything coming in, uh, which we got to. So it bought us some time. um, And then I had to just work very hard to, you know, manage everything and just try and keep the business going, really.
0: I hope many entrepreneurs take from this COVID period, that same lesson. and, And I'm so glad that you were prepared for this in that way. I remember my parents throughout their careers had built Nursing homes, care homes in in England, and and so that's what I grew up around. And when it was just my mum at the end, she had two left, and and she realised the business just didn't have enough cash in it, and so she went mm-hmm. through the exercise you did, and she had a devastating fire. Um, the roof of one of them caught wow. fire, and um, it was a two hundred and fifty thousand pounds hit. Um, that ultimately the insurance company chose not to pay out on, mm. if she had not gone through that same realization that you went through, then um, uh, obviously life would be very different for her now in her retirement um, i, I don 't think we can emphasize enough to people you know it 's always a balancing act between making smart decisions around growth and capitalizing on opportunities and so on but you can't. Uh, nothing helps you sleep better at night. Certainly for a lot of people, oh, knowing you've yeah, got. I now good.
1: sleep eight or nine hours a night. I know I was getting like five at a maximum, right? Um, and um, very white and very pale and very <laughs> stressed. Um, and stress is meant to be the biggest killer,
0: way over smoking or anything else. So, um, yeah, super I mean, cool. isn't that a fascinating thing? Essentially, by saving that four months, you bought yourself a better quality of life and yeah. better mental health, which probably brought you years back on your life. That's really interesting. Most of our current audience for s'mores is in the US. And in the US, we have this small business administration, what's called PPP payment protection plan. They call them loans, it's unclear yet whether they'll really get forgiven or not. I actually think what the UK did with um, paying people for furloughed workers has been clever. Will you describe a little bit what that process has been like for you? Yep. If you've got support, what that support looks like?
1: Yeah, so there's four. Well, there's three three main things that happened. So quite soon after the pandemic, they introduced this furloughed scheme. Never heard that word before. Everyone knows it very well now. And, and, what, and what does it mean? Because it's not being. Uh, in the US. So uh, there's a there's a legal definition for it, um, but what it essentially means is that we it's to prevent it's to prevent um, unemployment basically. So they've they've done it so that I don't have to lay off my staff and 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 essentially uh, fire them. Um, so so what happens is they get furloughed, which means that they're not allowed to do any revenue generating work for the business. Um, It's uh, for three, so they have to be furloughed for a minimum of three weeks. Who came up with that? It's no idea. I think they've realized and they're gonna change it. So they furloughed and then the government will pay 80% of their wages, which is a grant. So we don't have to pay it back. And then we can choose whether or not we want to top it up another further 20% so they get 100% of wages. Um, And then they basically go home and they can go and get another job. Really? <laughs> Are they yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got people that have come to work for us temporarily and they've been furloughed and they're getting paid by me. So they're getting double the money. That's incredible. Do you, was it easy to apply for that? You do, uh, yeah, year? so, well, actually, we, we have an accountant and so they, they did the whole thing for us. They did all the okay. calculations. They set up an online um, system, which I haven't seen because I don't use it, which um, right. apparently you go in make your claim. We got the money about five days later, and that happens uh, once a month. So,
0: excuse me. I I always try and avoid comparisons too much between the UK and and the US. However, I do think this is just such a fascinating one, irrelevant of any listener's belief of any current administration or any set of people in in any sort of power on either side of the Atlantic. I do think that the US made it very hard and created a lot of uncertainty, for business owners. And we actually ran a, a survey and 70% almost of business owners in the US as recent as three weeks ago had no idea if they even qualified for the PPP program. And they don't know if it's a loan or they don't know whether it's, it's something that they're ultimately gonna have to pay back. So whilst I don't think either country got a lot right with the pandemic, I think probably when I talk to business owners like you out of the UK, we, it seems to have got that one right.
1: Yeah. I mean if you it, it's interesting being in europe if you compare us to the rest of europe we're considered to be like the america of europe of yeah. of, of the world in in respect to how uh, i think the government has got some things right and um, the government has massively got some things wrong and and it throws up loads of questions around leadership you yeah. know um i know that there's legal issues with someone coming out and apologizing or saying sorry it's admitting fault but no one in our government has come and said, "Oh, we've
0: messed up. You know, uh, we're sorry." That's you not know. the political climate. If you say sorry, uh, for something it nearly always has to be followed immediately by a resignation. Yeah,
1: and and, and you know, you look at places like New Zealand and other leaders mm-hmm. that are capable of doing that. And um, you know, well, anyway, they, we won't go down that road. But um, but yeah, so we've got the furlough scheme, so that enables us to keep our staff on. Um, I'll be quite frank, if, if that didn't exist, I would have to lay the staff off. So sure. it's more for the team. And obviously, I want, my team are fantastic, and I want to keep them in work. Um, but there has to come sometimes in business, and they get that. Where you, you've, got
0: no, you've got no choice. Of, of course. To, now, know. there are a couple of other differences here, though. But first of all, I want to ask, do you as the business owner, do you get to use some of that grant money to pay what was your income?
1: Uh, it's
0: complicated.
1: So, um, if you are on the, so we have our pay, we have what's called a PAYE, which pays you earn scheme. So in the U S you have to do your own tax returns. I believe you only have to do a tax return if you're self-employed, you're a company director. If you're employed, it's all done automatically for you. So you don't have to touch, you know, it's all calculated. So if you're, if you're on your PA, if you're being paid through the PAYE system, then yes, you can claim against furlough. If you're self-employed, I don't know enough about that because I'm not self-employed. I'm a company director, yeah. um, but I can only claim a purport,
0: proportion of my salary
1: through this scheme. Um, and a lot
0: of companies are company directors
1: are getting nothing.
0: Yeah, you know. I suppose for uh, in the States, we have businesses that can be set up as, a, as what's called an S-corp, for instance, which means that as a business owner, you can take distributions, but you also take a salary. And it was easy for business owners to claim the PPP for the portion that was a salary. People who were on what we call 1099, which in England we'd refer to as being a contractor, was, was yeah. a significantly different process. That's interesting. Yeah. So the, the other thing about, not necessarily related to COVID, but in the US, most people are employment at will, which means when something like COVID or something else impacts a business happens a business in the u.s if they choose to can terminate all their employees there and then in the uk is it's still the case i believe where after people have been there a year it's it's is it four weeks now no. oh it's so
1: two
0: yeah years. Very, very
1: different i was having this conversation i came over for a work trip to san francisco uh a couple of years ago and we were talking about it so yeah in in the U it's funny because we watch we watch TV and they go, You're fired, get out of the building. And we're like, you can't do that. But you right. can <laughs> in the UK, you cannot do that. It's not, it's not, it's not legal. So um, so it's called terms of service. It used to be a year, they've increased it to two. So for an employee, up until up until that period, you can effectively get rid of them for any reason. It's it's very similar to US. With, with our notice now? No, you have to give a week's notice. That's a legal okay. minimum requirement. Uh, you have to pay any holiday they're owed. Um, those are the two things. Um, and 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 oh, I'm not sure I should say this. Like if if they're a, if if they're anyone other than a straight white man, yep. then you can kind of fire them straight away. If they're anyone else, you're going to have to be very careful. Um, how that will change after Brexit, because there's the um, the European um, courts. You know, there's lots of European EU laws that sit around that. Um, and that's a massive concern for uh, unions and people because they know that when the EU, we, we've already left the EU, but when we come out of the transition period at the end of the year, the government can do what they like. So we right. could switch to a system like the US, and and it's and we've got a Tory government that's very pro-business. So you know, um, from a business owner's perspective, it's 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 probably better. But we're not a bit we we're a business that care and treat our uh-huh. staff. And we'd never, never, even if the law said that, we still wouldn't do it. It's just not. not
0: Well, and and also there are those of us that believe that the general well-being of the nation is directly related to the opportunity and and growth of our businesses. Mm -hmm. And to have, uh, there are more people now claiming unemployment in the US than people did in its entirety during the 10-year Great Depression. I mean, we're at 36 million people. And... That can't help anybody's business. And sure, okay, for a short period of time, a business was able to get rid of their staff and not pay them anymore in order to save the business short term. But that's that's ongoing devastation for for decades. Impact on mm. on most businesses.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've seen the true impact of it yet.
0: No, um, I d- I don't think so. I mean, my uh, my kids are one year before going to university, and you know, I mean, just the impact on their education, I think, will be something we won't see for. For, uh, for a well,
1: I have the unique experience of being um, in the middle of face-to-face classroom teaching at university to then switch to online. Your uh, MBA
0: program. So, how yeah. many? How long is the MBA program you chose? Uh, so, I'm doing it part time, so it's two years. Okay. It's normally a year. So we do ten modules.
1: Um, you know, yeah, you know, marketing, operations, uh, HR, or human res not human resources. Um, People management. I uh, you know, did uh, optional module on international business negotiations. What else? Can't think of something. There's, loads, there's a few more, but I, I forget. Oh, uh, accounting and finance, of course. The only the only unit I had an exam for, uh, which uh, which I I didn't enjoy. I love numbers and finance. is super important. And when they start going on about acid test ratios and stuff, I'm like. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not great with. I'm great with numbers, but like that extreme version of it.
0: Right. So obviously, you chose to do the MBA before COVID started. So, what was the trigger for that? Um, so I, everything I knew about business, I'd
1: learned through um, experience uh, or Google. <laughs> no, no, I'm not joking. Or I, I, just, know, I, like, I get like, it. Google something and go right. How do other people do it? Um, or learn from someone else, you know, learn from my accountant or learn from our solicitors or um, lawyers. Um, uh, and I got to that point where I was like, I want to challenge myself. Um, I want to learn the method, the, like, what is best practice or what is what is the current like, way of doing things? Um, and it was purely literally done because I wanted to do it. And, I, and it was kind of like hobby-esque in the sense of I'm not doing it for the letters or the degree and um, it just always appealed to me and I have to say it's the one of the best decisions I've ever made by far well um, earlier
0: on you uh, talked about uh, almost that permission where you're confident to do something if somebody else is doing it is there part of that psychology and going off to do an MBA where you think, well, if I get exposed to some of these things and I learn and hear about what other businesses are doing, that'll allow you to do better?
1: Mm, I would say so. Um, I think it's more for me, it's more about, yeah, it's more about Like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, it's definitely more about how seeing how other businesses do it. And it's about having that confidence to, you know, yeah, having that confidence to do stuff that's more risky Mm. and have more. I wanted more thinking behind what I'm doing, Uh, you know, more planning, more looking at you know models of how to look at the market how to analyze a market competitive advantage you know all that sort of stuff I, you know I'd heard or not really had the time to sit down and think about it and whereas this
0: kind of made me do that and get exposure a... to all the
1: lecturers as well and their their
0: their knowledge right there there is very much something about this permission aspect we see it when we talk to people in this format, where if their parents, for instance, were entrepreneurs, it gives them that permission. I've referenced a few times in this series, a program, which was called, if she can see it, she can be it, which was talking about getting females into leading roles in movies and TV shows, as opposed to being secondary characters, particularly in like superhero roles or then professional roles like attorneys and so on. so there's definitely something there about that permission element. There was a great story actually last week, this reminds me of, where uh, this university student studying mathematics was late to a lecture and the professor had written on the board two equations, two problems that the mathematical community had been trying to solve for, I don't remember, let's say a hundred years, yeah. a long time. And she wrote them down and she because she thought it was an assignment. And so went away and came back a week later and said to her professor, look, I'm really sorry. I've only been able to do one of the problems for the assignment. And he read it and she just solved something. And I think that psychology plays into it as well. Because if you're told something is really hard or impossible, I think you tend to go into it with that attitude and think, well, I can give up because nobody else has been able to do this a hundred years. Whereas you take away that doubt and you have this, um, uh, clear space, then I think it gives you the ability to do so much more.
1: Uh, absolutely. It's funny you should say that. No, I completely agree. Um, it's, um, I I'm really big on language and how I speak and how my world occurs to me. And it, and, you know, I catch myself going, oh, it's really hard. It's really challenging. And it's like, you're, you know, I'm, I'm not personally, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like, a, I don't believe in a higher power. I'm quite sort of science logic based, but I do believe, you know, if you say something's hard or challenging, you are creating this world and this environment yes. where it is like that. And what I'm really looking at right now is I know that I'm, I need to, I, I don't particularly like it's tough, but it's very useful level up. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I'm, uh, there's so much more I can be doing, like the, the, the level we've taken our vision and our mission statement for Ray's Bakery. It's like, it's like, um, you know, we're, we're talking about like becoming the planet's le- best love bakery. Like someone challenged me in my MBA course. Well, you were never going to be. Blah, blah, blah. And I went, I don't care. Like if, if I can't believe it, what is saying that we can't? Who says we Ray? can't? No one. You know, and uh, and I got really defensive, which is great, because I could say, sense that passion. It's like, you know, the truth of the matter is we we probably won't achieve it, but if we get set that aspirational goal, then, then it informs, you know, it informs me and my team about playing way bigger than we are, you know. Um, food systems need to change. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Um, and so as a company, I want to set my company up to inspire others on how things are done best for the planet and for people at the same time, you know, um, we can't continue to consume food the way we are. Um, It's just unsustainable. Um, So yeah, so I complete, I'm really, really like sort of looking at where are these self-imposed barriers and a lot of that comes from our past, I believe.
0: That's amazing jeremy this has been a real pleasure to talk to you will you and, tell our audience where they can find out more about your business and you
1: uh yeah, so ray's bakery um, is on all you know the normal social media platforms at ray's bakery i'm going to spell it r-a-i-s-e r-a-i-s-e the reason i say that is because when i say ray's bakery someone says to me some people sometimes say who's ray and i go oh uh, <laughs> it is a, a long conversation about that about how we chose our name but anyway raise bakery, r-a-i-c bakery all one word uh, instagram facebook twitter um, or raisebakery.com. if you are in the uk uh shop.raisebakery.com for our online shop
0: fantastic Uh, Thank you everybody for tuning in. As always, you can go to meetfireside.com to learn more about our services for small businesses. Click on the smalls tab and you can watch Jeremy and others in video form or download us in podcast form wherever you like to get your podcasts. Thank you.